So what did I feel when I fell in love? I think it, it was like a gradual thing that one day I just looked at him and I realized how deeply in love I was with him. Uh, how did it feel when I fell in love? It felt like um, the concept of loneliness just kind of disappeared, like it just didn't exist anymore. It's like, oh, I'm with my best friend and I'm going to be with them forever. Well, I guess the first answer is I felt happy. Um, I felt uh, complete when I fell in love with my wife, Brittany. Um, when I first fell in love, I felt anxious, um, wanted to be together all the time, felt empty when um, when I was apart. When we first saw each other, uh, we kind of locked eyes and said, you know, to ourselves, so oh, he's cute and she's cute. I think when I fell in love, I didn't immediately recognize it as much as the people around me recognized it because they saw a change and a difference in me. And I remember a friend saying, when I knew it was real, it was because someone else said to me, uh, Sherry, don't sabotage this. And that told me like, oh shoot, I must have something really good here. I better like chill out. <laughs> so I think uh, when I fell in love with my wife, it was a feeling of being alive this feeling of that nothing else really mattered. So I want to tell you one of the more incredible love stories that I've heard in a while. Um, recently, Jenny Strickland and I uh, met up at the coffee machine early in the morning. We're always first two people in the office. And I was telling Jenny about this series that uh, we're doing now about how you and I can um, you know, have an intimate love relationship with God. And when we do, it makes us happy even when we're not. Well, uh, this led Jenny to share about how she and Steve fell in love and got married. So when Jenny's first marriage didn't make it, it was a while before uh, she began dating again. And she had two boys. And Jenny was not interested in any man who was not seriously interested in her two boys. Well, eventually, some men began to call on Jenny and ask her out. But of course, now she couldn't go out without arranging for a babysitter, right? And so enter Steve. Steve would come over and babysit Jenny's boys so that she could go out on these dates with other men, presumably to look for a husband and an appropriate stepfather for her son. What Jenny didn't know was that Steve was already in love with her and secretly wanted to be the guy that she was dating. Well, when I heard this, it absolutely floored me. It was like, who can do that kind of thing, right? And so I just wondered how much did Steve have to love Jenny in order to do that? And all together, everyone said, a lot, right? A lot. But then I realized that Steve's love for Jenny expressed exactly what most of us know to be true. When you're in love, nothing can touch you. You can be happy even when 
you're not. So I want to ask you a question. What do you think it would take to make you happy? You know, for almost all of us, our happiness is circumstantial. If everything is good, we're good. We're happy as long as there's plenty of money in our bank account. We're happy as long as our tax refund is enough to make a new down payment on the car, right? We're happy as long as our husband or wife is living up to our expectations. Any of us can be happy as long as things are going our way. But what about when things aren't going our way? Is it possible to be happy when you're not? Well, that's what we're talking about in this three-week series. Jesus taught that there is a way that you and I can be happy even when things aren't going our way. There is a way that you and I can thrive that has nothing to do with our circumstances. Jesus taught that there is one relationship that if we will nurture, it will ensure our happiness even when circumstances are not in our favor. In his greatest teaching called the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about how it is possible to nurture an intimate love relationship with God through the spiritual disciplines of giving, prayer, and fasting. Now, the religious leaders of Jesus' day all gave, they all prayed, and they all fasted. But when they did these religious acts, they did them in public to attract attention to themselves. When they gave, they carried their offerings like we talked about last week in these big boxes shaped like a trumpet. And the bigger their box, the bigger their offering, and everybody knew exactly how much they were giving. Whenever they prayed, they always stood on the street corners and they prayed out loud where everybody could hear all the words that they were saying. And when they fasted, they put a frown on their face and, and tried to show everybody that they were fasting. And Jesus said that this was hypocritical because their actions used God to mask their love of themselves. Instead, Jesus taught that love for God, not love for ourselves, is actually the key to happiness. And that through giving, prayer, and fasting, we can nurture our love for God. But not like the religious leaders of his day did it. Jesus said that when you give, you shouldn't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And then he said, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus said when we pray, we should go into our room and we should close the door so that no one else hears us except God. And then he said, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And Jesus said that whenever you and I fast, we should go about our normal routine of getting ready for the day so that when we walk out the door, we look our best so that no one else will know that we're fasting. Then he said, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I want you to notice that three times Jesus emphasized the importance of giving, praying, and fasting in secret. 
Why did he make such a big deal about secrecy between you and God? Well, Jesus taught that secrecy in these matters demonstrates an intimate love between you and the Heavenly Father. And when you and I are in love with God, we can be happy even when we're not. Jesus taught that this is the key to consistent happiness in our lives. So why do giving prayer and fasting work when done this way? Well, most people assume, of course, that anyone who gives praise and fasts must like have God on their side, right? It's almost like you have God in your back pocket. It's like you've bribed him through giving, praying, and fasting to make sure that you're always the happy one. But did you know that you don't have to bribe God? Did you know that you don't have to get God on your side? Did you know that God is already on your side? Look at what the apostle Paul said. He said, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even when you and I didn't love God, God already loved us. It's kind of like Steve and Jenny, right? He's already on our side. Therefore, giving prayer and fasting aren't for God, they're for us. These three spiritual practices don't change God, they change us. They don't get God on our side, they get us on his side. And that, Jesus said, is the key to happiness. Now, since we're in week two of our series, I want us to look at this second spiritual discipline of prayer. And I want us to ask the question, how does prayer get you and me on God's side and ensure our happiness? So on Tuesday night, a few weeks ago, uh, you know, I'm old anyway. I mean, I go to bed early anyway, right? But I was so exhausted. It was like I was just trying to wait for nine o'clock to come so that I could go to bed. I felt like it was sort of just stupid to go to bed any earlier than that. And so I was pretty disappointed when I woke up at 3.30 a.m. unable to go back to sleep because of some things I was worrying about. Any of you guys ever do something like that? It is so disappointing. So I just got up and, and came to the office and I was in the middle of editing this very talk and so I decided that uh, since these things were kind of robbing me of my happiness, I'd just try what I was preaching on, right? I'd just try to say the Lord's Prayer. And so that's what we're going to look at here, the Lord's Prayer. And so I just started. I said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I said these words very slowly. And as I emphasized each one, I realized that even though my world wasn't right at 3.30 a.m., there is a place in the universe that is always right. It's heaven, where God is in full control. It's a place where every thought, action, motive, purpose, and reason is right because everything happens according to God's will. And because things are right in heaven, heaven is a happy place. You ever thought about that? 
And as I thought these thoughts, just sitting in my easy chair there in my office, my mind flashed back to my college days when I would go home to visit mom and dad. Now, in those days, my life was like a lot of 20 years old's lives. It was just always a little bit chaotic, right? I mean, I didn't have things figured out. But when I would go home, their place always seemed right. Yard was manicured. The house was clean. Mom would cook these same homemade meals for me when I was 20 that she used to make, you know, when I was 10. The bed was comfortable, the sheets were clean, everything worked. And it was like, yeah, this is how it's supposed to be. And when I'd go home for the weekend, for a little while, the chaos would subside. Now, I know that for some of you, home wasn't a happy place, but my mom's And dad's home was like a slice of heaven. Heaven is good because God is good. Heaven is full of love because God is love. Heaven is a place where everything is right because God is right. And get this, prayer takes us there. It reminds us that if we are in love with God, we can be happy even when we're not. In fact, Jesus said that heaven is so good that we should pray for it to come to earth. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how does heaven come to earth? Well, in the future, when Jesus returns to this earth a second time, right? He came the first time. When he comes a second time, he is going to establish God's kingdom on the earth literally and physically. Life on earth will be as it is in heaven. And Jesus said that you and I should pray for his kingdom to come because this is actually the goal of human history. This may be the first time you've ever heard that. That is what Jesus taught. It's the goal of human history when he establishes God's kingdom literally on the earth. But until Jesus establishes this literal kingdom on earth, how can the goodness of heaven invade your life and make you happy now? Well, I think Jesus identified three ways in his prayer that your relationship with God can make you happy and it can help you thrive right now. Look at what he said. You know these words. We can be happy when we trust God for our basic necessities. This is what Jesus said. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, as I get older... One of the things that I think about from time to time is, you know, are Linda and I going to have enough for retirement? And I think the reason that I think about this is I don't want to be dependent on anyone else for my daily bread, right? I want to be independent. Being independent makes me happy. Does it make you happy? It makes me happy. But Jesus disagreed. Look at what Jesus said. 
He said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Did you catch that last sentence? Jesus said dependence on God for our basic necessities makes us happy because every time God provides for your basic needs, he is demonstrating how valuable you are. God's provision is like little love taps on your shoulder to remind you that he loves you. But when you and I live independently from God, we miss all those love taps. And one of the most practical ways that we can actually become dependent on God, because none of us like to be dependent, we like to be independent. One of the ways that we can become dependent on God is when we give, the topic we talked about last week. Do you know one of the primary reasons that you don't give to God? It's because you're afraid you won't have enough. I get that. But Jesus said that whenever we give, when we learn to be dependent on God, and if we want to do that, that it will give us the opportunity to actually see him provide our basic needs. If you want to learn dependence, give. If you want to be happy, give. Another way we can be happy, Jesus said, is when we model God in our relationships. As he continued in the prayer, he wrote this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Bad relationships steal our happiness. We all know this to be true. A friend or your spouse or someone that you respect does something that surprises you. You just can't believe they did it. And so you get hurt or you get angry, right? And to restore the relationship and your own happiness, guess what? You're going to have to forgive what they've done. But talk about getting on God's side. Nothing shows love like forgiveness. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. The reason we forgive is that we have been forgiven. On the cross, Jesus bore the burden of our sin against God. And God did that for us. He initiated that for us because he loves us. And so your happiness is linked to God's forgiveness of you and your forgiveness of others. And that's why Jesus said that if we want to thrive, we have to model God's forgiveness in our relationships. A third way that we can be happy is when we imitate God's attitude toward evil. Jesus concluded his prayer by saying, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
You know, an affair can seem really exciting, but adultery can't make you happy. Getting high can seem like an escape from your problems, but addictions can't make you happy. Buying all kinds of stuff makes us feel like we're living the dream, but debt can't make you happy. If you want to be happy, you've got to get on God's side about everything that is evil. In fact, if you want to be happy, you got to get on God's side about everything. And prayer, as Jesus taught it in the Lord's Prayer, does just that. Because when you pray like Jesus taught us to pray, it gives God full control of your life. You know, when I was about 35 years old, the company that I worked for in East Africa was looking for some new young leadership, and I was one of the candidates that they were looking at at that time. But of course, if you're going to be a leader, one of the basic things you have to be able to do is get along with people, right? And so to see if I could get along with other people, they tested me on this issue of control. They knew what I really didn't know at the time, and that was if I had to be in control all the time, I probably was going to have problems with people that would undercut my leadership. And so I took the test, and the results were, let's just say, pretty defining, okay? <laughs> On a scale of 0 to 10, I ranked a 10 on the desire to control. <laughs> and I ranked a zero on the desire to be controlled. Thank goodness I married Linda. In other words, I liked playing God in my own life. And if necessary, I was happy to play God for you too. And I have a hunch that some of you like this playing God thing too. But have you ever noticed that it's when you're trying to control everything and everyone around you that that's usually when life doesn't go well? It's what steals your happiness and it's what wakes you up at 3.30 a.m. Jesus said, if you want to be happy, give God control of everything in your life. Let his will be done in your life as it is in heaven. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. I really don't know. I don't know if you pray much. But if your life is in chaos, I'm asking you to give God control. Maybe you've shut God out of your money. Maybe you've shut him out of your relationship with your girlfriend or boyfriend or about you know, your decisions about your own sexuality or your addiction that you've hidden from everyone else. Maybe you've shut God out of your marriage or out of your career path. If your life is in chaos, I want you to ask God to take control of it. I want you to give control to him. And Jesus taught us how to do that in the Lord's Prayer. And so if your life is in chaos and you're willing, only if you're willing to give him control, I want to ask you to stand right where you are and pray the Lord's Prayer together with me.
Go ahead and do that right now, if you're willing. You don't have to. So here's how we're going to do this. We're going to pray it one sentence at a time. It'll highlight on the screen for you. And I want you to let me just say a word about that. And then I'll prompt us to move to the next one. So I want us to say it together. You ready? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I want you to notice that Jesus said, hallowed be thy name, not hallowed be my name. Oh, this is where happiness starts. Happiness begins for you and me when we recognize that we aren't God, he is. And so we give control of our lives to him. Let's continue. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will. This is really what we're talking about today. Let his perfect will be done in your life When you can honestly allow that, you can be happy even when you're not. Let's continue. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, we want to be givers. Just like we talked about last week because we know that giving is a sign that we are in love. But Lord, you know that this is one of the most difficult areas in our life. We're all afraid that if we give, we won't have enough for ourselves. And so ultimately, giving becomes a matter of trust in you. And so I want to remind you of what Jesus said. When you trust God for the basics of your life, It gives you the opportunity for God to tap you on the shoulder and remind you again how valuable you are to him, that he loves you. Let's continue. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We live in a hard world. I know bad things have happened to you and they've been done at the hands of someone else. And so I want to ask you, are you willing to forgive? You will never be happy until you let that thing go, until you no longer let what was done to you define you. And let's finish. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we know that you're good. We know you don't lead us into temptation. Lord, we all know that it's whenever we're drawn away by our own desires, the things we want, that that gives birth to sin and that sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And so, Lord, our prayer and our request of you today is that you would protect us from being deceived about sin by the evil one. Lord, we have to wrestle this thing to the ground. We can never be happy without being holy. And so we pray that you would lead us to that in this moment. In Jesus' name. You can have it all. 
can have it. You can have it all. Every part. Take this life and breathe all this heart that is now yours. So let me ask you. Are you holding on to anything that you need to lay down? Because here's the bottom line. Jesus said that when we give up control of our lives to God, that is what makes us happy. Because that is when God can tap you on the shoulder and show you just how much he loves you. That's when he can show you just how valuable you are to him. And you know, whenever you and I are happy people, it affects not only us, it affects everyone around us. It affects your spouse, it affects your kids, your family. It affects the people that you work with. It affects your friends. And you know what? It also affects your enemies. Because happy people are more likely to love other people. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you're a God who loves us, you're on our side, and you want our lives to be happy. And so we pray uh, that we could take the step of laying it all down and giving up control to you so that we can experience your love in the deepest, most intimate way possible. Thank you for loving us, and we pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.